Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dendi. I'm an 11-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Disclaimer, the purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. The podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professionals and is not intended for the use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests who speak in a podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions conclusions. Neither Talea Dendi, Navigating Cancer Together, On the Other Side, LLC, nor any of its affiliates endorses, supports, or opposes any treatment option or other matter discussed in a podcast. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy on a podcast should not be construed as an endorsement. Hello, everyone. This is Talea Dendi from OnTheOtherSide.life, and you're listening to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and your hearts. Today, our very special guest is Ricky Fairley. Ricky is a triple negative breast cancer survivor and thriver. Ricky's personal purpose, passion, mission, ministry, and blessing is to bring focus, attention, research, science, and action to eradicating Black breast cancer. Yes, Black breast cancer. And supporting and coaching what she calls her breasties through their breast cancer experience. Ricky, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. So excited to be here with you. So excited to be here with you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, Ricky. I'm excited to talk with you. Can you please share, Ricky, how you learned that you had breast cancer and what were some of the symptoms that you experienced? I went for my annual checkup with my annual gynae checkup and my daughter, my baby daughter had been in China all summer and I put off my normal appointment in July to wait till she came home because I was crazy traveling and being a crazy working mom and all over the place. So I waited for her to come home. We had a week before she had to go back to Dartmouth for school for sophomore year and we had to do all the appointments. So we did the dentist and the gynae and all the stuff during that week. So she went with me, we went to the gynae and my doctor found a lump on my left breast. Had I been doing self-exams, I would have seen it. I would have felt it. It was like a little peanut under my left nipple. She said, this looks suspicious. I want you to go and get some more tests. And I said, I can't really do it right now. I got to get my daughter back to school. Can I come back in a couple of weeks? She's like, no, we're going to do it tomorrow. So I went to get a mammogram and a sonogram and the next day I got a biopsy. Then I got on a plane to Hanover, New Hampshire with Haley to take her back to school and did all the stuff, got her room ready, went to Target 50 times, bought all the pillows, whatever. Then I left her to go on a three-week business trip. 
as I was walking through the Boston airport and going through security, my doctor called and said, Ricky, yes, you have breast cancer. I said, well, you know what? About to get on a plane to San Francisco. I have to do a speech to 300 people tomorrow morning and I haven't written it yet. Can I call you back? I got on the plane. I wrote my speech. I got up in the morning. I gave the speech and then I got on another plane to LA. I was on a three-week business trip. And I just kind of ignored it. It was like, oh, you know, I let it go. I remember after my three or four days, I went out to dinner with a friend in LA. And I said, I think I may have breast cancer. Well, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't talked to the doctor. So are you crazy? Next day, my doctor called back and she said, okay, Ricky, not only do you have breast cancer, but you have triple negative breast cancer. And I said, that doesn't sound so bad. Like, what's that? Can't you just give me a pill? Like, what can we do about it? And she said, no, I think you need to come home. So I got on a plane, flew back to Atlanta, where I lived at the time, and went in this whirlwind of craziness. But I Googled, went to Dr. Google, did Google triple negative breast cancer. And said, you're going to die. You're going to die. We have nothing for you. There's no drugs. You're going to die. Then I went into this whirlwind of treatment. Wow, what a whirlwind for sure. And in the midst of all these things, you were still going initially, even when you got the news. Looking back, would you have done that differently? Looking back? Yeah, and what I know now, especially yeah. what I know about triple negative, I would have gone home immediately, but I didn't. And I didn't want to stop my life. And I didn't realize how serious it was until I was in the mix of it. And it's interesting because I know God prepared me for this path for a few years. I had been working with other people talking about breast cancer. I'm a marketing person. I'd done a marketing campaign with the CDC on breast cancer. I had done some work with Komen on breast cancer. I had been to a couple of breast cancer walks. I had done some work with General Mills on breast cancer. They licked their lid yo play program. And so I know kind of God prepared me for this, but when it hits you, you don't really know what it is. And I definitely didn't know what triple negative breast cancer is. The worst one, it has the highest mortality rate. It's the most aggressive. And Black women get it at three times the rate, which I also didn't know at the time. But you don't want to stop. you just like, okay, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> it wasn't until I did a double mastectomy. I did six rounds of pretty aggressive chemo. I did six weeks of radiation. And then my doctor said, okay, you have no evidence of disease would come back and do an annual checkup. So I went back the following September, almost a year to the day of my diagnosis to have a PET scan. And it identified that my cancer had come back. My doctor said, okay, Ricky, you are now metastatic. You have about two years to live, get your affairs in order, which is very typical for triple negative for it to come back. It's the only breast cancer that doesn't have a drug to prevent recurrence. So it's it very common to hear you about taking something for five years. We don't have a drug. So then my doctor said, okay, you're going to die. And I said, I can't really die right now. I have a daughter at Dartmouth and I've got to pay for her tuition. So me, you and God and some drugs or something, we got to work this out. Well, I ended up going back to Dr. Google and everything said, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. But on the third page of Google, I found the triple negative breast cancer foundation. They were pretty small at the time, but I called them. And they put me in touch with a doctor in Atlanta where I lived. And she was probably one of about five doctors at the time that were actually researching triple negative. She put me on some experimental drugs, a lot more chemo, and I didn't die. And it's been 11 years. Wow. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. How are you doing today, Ricky? Are you experiencing any latent side effects from the treatment? I am fine. I am so happy. I did get thyroid disease as a result of doing so much chemo. I had my thyroid taken out, but I'm healthy. I walk through miles just now. I paddleboard every day that I can. But I know that because I am healthy, I have to fight for my sisters that aren't. And I really feel this commitment to my, especially my metastatic sisters, my triple negative sisters, because they can't fight. I can fight harder for them. So that's what I do every day. I think that my experience, I know God left me here to do this work. 
and he gave me my purpose. Yeah, I believe that. Ricky, please tell us about the work that you're doing with your organization, Touch. That's T-O-U-C-H. And how it addresses cancer in the Black community. Over the years, we learned that we have a different disease, Black women. Black breast cancer is a thing. A few years ago, labeled it Black breast cancer. When I started looking at the data, the first data that really came out was in about 2017 or 18. The first study was done on triple negative. It was done at University of Georgia. And they identified that, yes, Black women get triple negative breast cancer at three times the rate. But nobody could understand why. Then we started looking at mortality rates and black women have a 41% higher mortality rate than white women with breast cancer. Black women have a 39% higher recurrence rate. So we're getting it back even by taking the drugs, right? Um, Black women under 30 get breast cancer at four times the rate of white women. Black women under 35 get breast cancer at twice the rate, die at three times the rate before they would have that first mammogram at age 40. 30% of Black breast cancer get it under 50. 30% of Black women get breast cancer under the age of 50. And then 50% of Black women under the age of 50 die from breast cancer. We die at twice the rate of white women, twice the rate of white women. It's crazy. And so when you look at all these numbers, you say, what's wrong with this picture? Now we have a growing body of data that's validating that a white breast cancer cell looks different than a Black breast cancer cell, that there are molecular differences. And clearly the social determinants of health have a role here, but it's really, we have a different science. We look back in history to see how many Black women were in the trials of the current drugs that people are taking, and there were none. So the drugs aren't working. So I started Touch because I wanted to bring attention to Black breast cancer. I wanted the breast cancer ecosystem, which is huge between pharma companies and doctors and healthcare professionals. But I wanted to say, hold on, wait a minute. Black Mm -hmm. breast cancer is a distinct and different disease and needs different attention, different theories, different medications, different policies, because even just the mammography protocol to get a mammography at 40 is too late for us. We're dead. It's too late for us. Even one of the protocols that you're getting a lumpectomy and just doing radiation for early stage breast cancer is the equivalent to getting a mastectomy. That study was done in Sweden. The gene panel that we use to even measure genetics was done in Utah. Wow. Black women. So most of the protocols that we have, really all of them reflect black, white bodies, not black bodies. And so we need different care. And the only way we're going to get it is to ask for it ourselves. So we Mm -hmm. set out on this movement a few months ago called When We Trial. If you go to whenwetrial.org to really educate black women on doing clinical research so we can get better drugs and advance the science. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really agree with everything that you've said about clinical trials and Black people participating in clinical trials, because like you said, we have different DNA, different genetics. And if we're not part of those clinical trials, how do we know what's going to work for us? We're not represented in that medicine. It's very important what you're doing with that. Ricky, tell us more about what you're doing with those clinical trials. Do you provide education? What are you doing with when we trial? So we did a research study a couple of years ago because I wanted to understand, I'm a marketing person, like what's in the psyche of Black women and what's giving them fear. And clearly we heard about Henrietta Lacks and the mm-hmm. study and kind of that earned medical mistrust. Yeah. But we also learned that Doctors are not inviting Black women into trials. They're not inviting them. So they don't know about them. And then really this just lack of understanding, the level of health illiteracy in our Black community is horrific. We just don't even know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And they really just don't understand 
what goes into a trial, how the science works. I'm going to get the sugar pill and die. There is no sugar pill in cancer research. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a guinea pig. I don't want to be an experiment. That's a huge one. But we talked to 300 Black breasties and we learned that they really needed a voice of trust. And that voice of trust is not a doctor. It's not a researcher. It's not a scientist. It's another breastie. It's someone else saying it's a club that you don't want to be in. I don't recommend it. Once you're in it, it's this unconditional love and trust and sisterhood that I can't even describe. But they want to hear it from a breastie. And when they hear it from a breastie and we break it down in very simple terms and explain the science, they want to engage because they want to live. I learned pretty quickly that I could convince a breastie to go from a one, I'll never do a trial to a five, sign me up today in five minutes by explaining what standard of care is. You're going to get a drug that is already on the market and maybe something on top of it, a new drug on top of it or a new drug altogether, but there's no sugar pill. You're going to get something. You're going to get a better quality of care in a trial. Because right now, if you started chemo today, you probably wouldn't get a scan for three months. That drug is working on your body. But if you're in a clinical trial, you're going to have more supervision, more doctors and nurses and people, medical professionals looking at you and helping you and supporting you and maybe paying for your transportation, giving you a Whole Foods gift card. And you'll probably get a scan in a month. So you'll know whether the drug is working or not. And you can change course if it's not. And they're there to help you. So you get better quality of care. You know that Advil you took last week or that Tylenol you gave your baby or that heart medicine you gave your dog. They're all in clinical trials. People are shocked by this information, but that's what's happening. It's like just not knowing. So it's fear of the unknown. And I can make that fear go away by just explaining it. We know you're trying to take care of everybody at the expense of yourself. So do this for your daughter. Do this for your daughter. Do this for your son. Do this for your grandbabies. And that's resonating with Black women, but just seeing people that look like you doing this. And we have a YouTube channel now with a bunch of videos that just show different perspectives of Black women participating in research and saving their lives. We're just trying to save lives. We have so much work to do. So we also did a big campaign in media, on digital media, and we're still doing that. Then we did a radio campaign in 10 cities to young Black women, because I believe young Black women are going to start these important conversations in our households. Black people, we just don't talk about health. Just yeah. Don't talk about it until... Uncle Pookie gets his leg amputated. Mm -hmm. My Edith basically is in hospice and nobody knows why, what happened to her. So we're hoping that young Black women will go home and say, Mom, what's our her story? Who died of what in our family tree? And really foster these conversations so that we can talk about health and be prepared, know our risks and know about clinical trials, hopefully well before we need one. We'll never need one. But if you do, it won't be something that's foreign to you and you won't be afraid of the unknown. You'll know what it's all about. And that's what we're trying to do. That is wonderful, Ricky. I love everything that you're doing with Touch and When We Trial. You made a lot of great points about clinical trials. One thing that people should really think about is you're going to get better care. You're going to be closely right. monitored. Those are real benefits yeah. to participating in clinical trials. You mentioned doctors, Ricky, and I want to circle back around to that. What advice do you have for doctors and the healthcare system as a whole when it comes to making breast cancer care for Black women more accessible? Well, you know what? The doctor thing is really hard. It's really hard. And so a lot of our education, even on our When We Trial website, is teaching Black women to advocate for themselves. So I can't really control a doctor inviting a Black woman to a trial. What I can control is teaching a Black woman how to advocate for herself and how to ask for the trial. And that's what's happening. And I wish that doctors would be more engaging of Black women, be more respectful of our needs, but it's not happening. And I think that's such a far reach right now that we need to focus on 
teaching Black women how to demand the care they deserve. And frankly, we live in this world of health inequity. And I know many doctors have noble intentions, but there's a lot of implicit bias that we can't let go of. So at the end of the day, we're only going to move from health inequity to health equity if everybody, every healthcare professional, everybody in the ecosystem practices the golden rule. Your mother taught you when you were two years old. Treat others as you want to be treated. And let doctors start to say, gosh, how would I treat my mother? How can I look at a Black one differently because of the odds of the risks and the odds and the numbers against her? And until we get that level of care, we're not going to get the care that we deserve. So we have to ask for it. We have to ask for it. So I feel like I'm better at using my energy to teach Black women to say, hold on, doctor, not want the McDonald's drive-through appointment today, yeah. <laughs> steakhouse appointment today. Yeah. I want you to time with me. I want you to explain it because our research even shows that Black women, the Black breasties are bringing up the trial conversations to doctors. Doctors aren't. And even once they bring that conversation up, they still walk away not being equipped with the information they need to make a decision or to explain it to their parents or to defend their position to, to their families. They're not spending enough time. So we have to educate them and give them the tools they need to understand this science. I really agree with self-advocacy. It is so critical to one's outcome, overall care. Ricky, what advice do you have for women who do self-advocate with their doctor, but they're just not getting what they need? What advice do you have for them? Fire the doctor. Fire the doctor. Get a new doctor. If you don't feel like you're getting that golden rule standard of care where he or she is really treating you like family, treating you with the right care, then you get another doctor. And you know what's happening with our young women? Our young women will go to a doctor, present with a lump, and the doctor will say, oh, it's a cyst. Don't worry. Come back in six months. Six months are either metastatic or dead. So many young women getting diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer because they break a bone and it's in their bones. It's crazy. So that's why it's so important for us to know our bodies. So I really implore everybody to know your body, stand in front of the mirror, look at your breasts, know what they feel like. So if something unusual does happen, you can defend your position to a doctor and say, you know what? This lump wasn't here a month ago. This feels different than it did two weeks ago. Something is wrong. And they can really stand up for themselves and advocate for themselves to get the attention and care that they need. That is great advice. You touched on younger Black women. I just want to dig a little bit deeper. Other than basically being dismissed, if they feel a lump, something doesn't feel right because of their age, if they're younger than 40, what are some other barriers and challenges that Black women 35 and younger face? It's just really taking the time and having the knowledge to do a self-exam and knowing your body, know your body, and you cannot prevent breast cancer. I was pretty healthy when I got breast cancer, but there are some things too you can do to minimize the risk. Eat the right foods. Everybody knows you shouldn't eat the mac and cheese and fried chicken every day. Moderate. Mm -hmm. You move your body, walk, do your whatever kind of movement, move your body, you no know, exercise and just take care of yourself, but mostly know your body, be aware of it. And also talk to your mom, talk to your grandma, talk to your aunties, talk to your dad's side of the family because everybody's a factor here. We have this HBCU internship program. And we have 10 right now. We've had probably 27 already. We have, we're up to 37 now. And we asked them to do an interview with their mom, a video with their mom. And what we've learned is every single incident, every single, with every single intern, it's the first conversation they've had with their mom about their breasts. 
So have these conversations, talk to your friends, and we have them post on social media for 10 weeks. And they end up having their friends do TikTok videos of self-exams. And they become really proud of themselves because they've made an impact on their set of friends and their network. So just talk about it. Talk about it with your family. It's not something you should hide away from. And it's a prevalent thing in our lives. You're talking about sex, you're talking about whatever with your friends, but just talk about it. Make it something that's a conversation and know your her story. Know where you came from. Only about five to 10% of breast cancer is hereditary, but we don't know that for sure. For Black women, there's now some data that's connecting colon cancer and the dad to breast cancer, prostate cancer connecting. So we don't know for Black people. These cancers are so prevalent for Black people. We still haven't done the research to figure out where the connections are. My dad had colon cancer. Did that affect my triple negative? I don't know. It could have, right? But the more we know about our families, the better off. A few years ago, I said, okay, I'm going to try to force my family into these conversations. So I cook Thanksgiving dinner. Before dinner, the food's steaming on the table. Everybody circles up. We say grace. And then we say, go around the room. Everybody should talk about what they're thankful for. But now I'm like, okay, what's your A1C? What's your blood pressure? Did you get your PSA test? When was your mammogram? And I made them talk about it and they hated me. But you want this turkey, you want this mac and cheese, you want these collard greens? That's a great bribe. (laughs) And they hated me at first. But now, okay, Ricky, got you. (laughs) My blood pressure is whatever. I went to the doctor and make everybody talk about it. That's the only way we're going to force our families. Use your family reunions. Talk about who died of what. We're all making family trees. Add to the family tree what they die of. Or what is this person suffering from? And make it a conversation in our Black families. And hope to God nobody ever gets cancer. But the odds are, unfortunately, somebody's going to get it. But be ready for that. Be ready for that conversation because you know that my grandma had it. My mom, actually, she had stage zero breast cancer 15 years before me. But it wasn't until I got sick that she remembered that her aunt died at 42 of breast cancer. Oh, wow. So it probably was triple negative. It didn't have a name back then. But force these conversations in your families to learn something. That's very true. We are not having those conversations enough. And you're right. We really don't know our family history. And knowing that is so critical, knowing that genetics, some people may be against it, but even like getting the genetic testing, maybe it starts with you. Somebody asked me yesterday, so what if you were adopted and you don't know your history? Or what if your family just won't talk about it? I said, well, you know what? Just assume you're at risk. Walk into that situation, assuming that you are at risk and ask for genetic testing. Absolutely. Ricky, what advice do you have for people who are newly diagnosed with cancer? And then also, what advice do you have for survivors since you're 11 years into post-cancer treatment? So for our newly diagnosed sisters and brothers, men get it too. Get the best care you can. Demand the best care you can. If you don't feel comfortable with your care team, get another care team, fire your doctor, but try to get the best care you can. If you're under 40, and especially if you have triple negative breast cancer, ask for a clinical trial. It's your best treatment option. The newest science, the latest science. If you think about it, who wants a Tesla? Who wants that iPhone 14? Who wants the big, whatever, 85 screen, 85 inch television that does whatever, right? You're buying science all around you. You're looking to buy science everywhere. Every day you get in your car and push the gas and it's science that makes it work, right? So why wouldn't you buy the best science for your body? And for our disease, our black breast cancer, we need to understand these drugs that are happening and they are really our best chance. It's the best science. The most, the best brains have made that drug. The most recent brains have made that drug and they've used all the history we have to make that drug that you could be testing right now and could save your life. So I would do that. And then I would say, Find your peace. 
find your peace because I had to learn that I was the breadwinner for my family and the rainmaker for my company. I was taking care of everybody. And I had to learn that my peace is non-negotiable. And not only did I get the cancer out of my body, I got the cancers out of my life, all of them. I made a lot of crazy decisions pretty quickly. I divorced my husband of 30 years. I quit mm-hmm. my business partners. I sold my big house in the suburbs and moved to the beach while I was on chemo, which was crazy. I wouldn't recommend doing all that one time, but I knew I had to save my life and find peace. Mm-hmm. So I paddleboard every day. So find your peace. If there are cancers in your life, if there are people that aren't helping you, if there are people that aren't bringing you joy, you know what? You can love them, but they got to go. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And then for survivors, same thing. Find your peace. Find your peace and help your families understand what you went through. When a patient gets cancer, the family gets cancer. Everybody's involved. So just love on your family and demand the best care you can. Demand the best care you can. Demand that golden rule standard of care, but take care of yourself. I tell everybody, I actually, I tell new patients too, go take a walk. And you may not feel like a walk today, especially if you've had chemo. So go sit on your front porch or your front step and feel nature and feel God all around you. Because once you see that, it puts everything into perspective. Great advice. Thank you, Ricky, for sharing that. Ricky, please tell the audience once again, where can they learn more about touch? And then also when we trial. So our website is touchbbca.org. And you'll see on our website where we're doing events. We're doing a bunch more events this year. Whenwetrial.org is our trial website that basically gives you education about clinical trials, how they work. We have some video content there. And then we have a great YouTube channel, our playlist on YouTube for When We Trial. If you go to YouTube, our YouTube is at TouchBBCA. And actually, all of our social media is at TouchBBCA. But if you go to our YouTube channel and click on the When We Trial playlist, you'll see a bunch of videos of Breasties talking about research and how important it is. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at TouchBBCA, on LinkedIn at Touch the Black Breast Cancer Alliance. My personal handle for Twitter and Instagram is Ricky Dove, R-I-C-K-I-D-O-V-E. We're out in the world trying to save our boobs. Call me at Ricky, R-I-C-K-I, at TouchBBCA.org. I will respond to you. And we also have a web series on Wednesday nights called The Doctor Is In. It airs on the blackdoctor.org Facebook page, live on Facebook, every Wednesday night, Eastern time at 6 p.m. We talk about anything and everything breast cancer. So join our show. We're talking about breast cancer every week. Thank you for sharing that information, Ricky. I will put that in the listen notes so that the audience can easily find you. Before we end, Ricky, I want to switch gears. I like to ask all my guests these two questions. The first one is, what do people often misunderstand about you? I don't know. I'm so transparent. Once you've had breast cancer, you have no filter. I don't know anything that nobody, anybody doesn't know about me that I haven't said. I don't know. I probably might. I paddle pretty much every day that I can. And my joy are my grandchildren. I don't really have any secrets. (laughs) You can probably find them out on my Facebook page. (laughs) Thank you, Ricky. This question stumps everyone. So don't feel bad about it. (laughs) Thank you for that response. My second question is, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Where I live, nice. I love where I live. So I left home. I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, but my family always had a beach house in Arundel on the Bay in Annapolis. And I left home to go to college to Dartmouth. I never lived here. I never came back here until 10 years ago, until I got sick. And so I've lived in New York, Chicago, New Jersey, Atlanta. But when I got sick, I came back home to where I live. And I live on the Chesapeake Bay. It's magnificently beautiful. I look out, I'm looking at the water right now and it's my peace. 
And so I moved back home to, I know my dad who died in 2006 is here with me. And I know he's out there paddle boarding with me and my family's all around me. I'm like 40 minutes from my grandchildren, from both of my daughters and my mom. So nice. I would live where I live. I chose it. You know what I mean? I chose to live here. Yeah. That goes back to, like you said, finding your peace. Thank you for sharing that, Ricky. Before we end today, is there anything else, Ricky, that you would like to share with the audience? Just know that your peace is non-negotiable, that you need to be the CEO of your own health. You need to advocate for yourself and we need to take care of our families. That's a great way to end the show. Thank you so much, Ricky, for all the information, advice, and wisdom that you have shared with us today. It has been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to do this with you. Thank you, Ricky. Before we end today, I would like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, follow, or subscribe so that you can easily find my podcast and listen again. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed the show, please share or tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.